Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. Welcome to 2021, which we have entered into with much trepidation as well as joy. <laughs> and a lot of and a lot of hope and faith. Yeah, a lot of hope and faith, which may be feeling a little shaky, just a couple a week or so. Just in. a little. <laughs> and um, but we're delighted to be here. We had done some pre-recording through the holiday season due to the station shutdown. And it's really nice to actually be a little bit closer to real time with you, mm-hmm. our listeners. Uh, we decided that we would take some time today to talk about uh, one of the things that we're, we're both facing. Uh, I will speak more for myself than for Luca. I'm definitely uh, it feeling like I'm in a tug of war with this a lot these days. And that is with fear. Fear, the oppressiveness of fear, the pervasiveness of fear, the way that fear can take over and woof, it's like it, it pushes out all that the mind and the body was intending to hold as priorities and as values and it rearranges all of those things and it upends them and stuffs them in corners and, uh, and you, you often end up being and doing ways being ways in the world that you do not normally and and doing things that you would not necessarily have expected for yourself or anticipated for yourself and uh, so we thought we'd just spend some time talking through and around it and seeing you know how is it showing up what how where is it getting in (laughs) where is its source although sometimes the source isn't necessarily the most important information as the way to close the door on it uh, so that you can regain some space and have that ability to choose again. Who are you? What is it that you're doing here? What is it you want to be doing? And how do you want to be doing it? It's almost like fear is a robber, a burglar, mm-hmm. um, it, a thief. It comes in and it, uh, uh, we allow it in. We, we, op- we leave the door open mm-hmm. and, and in it sneaks, even when we think that we've got the door closed and then it starts stealing our energy and and our time it's a it's a time and energy eater and i think it comes in many guises self doubt is one of them um hopelessness and uh, hopelessness is another one um and and i think that um one of our challenges is to recognize it when it first shows up so that it doesn't have to clobber us over the head or build to such a level that it's a massive cleaning. It's kind of like cleaning up after yourself as you go along so that you don't have to do this huge cleaning job um, at, at some point. And, and sometimes we're in it and we have to do the huge cleaning job. But, but what is it? What does it look like? Um, and, and I think that depression, I, I went through a number of years ago around about this time of year, I felt like I was depressed, which was a very unusual thing for me. It's not a normal place for me to go. And I was working with a friend of mine who's a homeopath. 
And I explained all the symptoms that I was dealing with. And he said to me, oh, that's not depression. That's fear. Hmm. And as soon as he said it, I thought, ah, yes, that makes sense. That makes much more sense. Once we've defined it, even, it's easier to go in and deal with it. And of course, the world is in a state of fear right now. So yeah. it's we're sort of in the soup of fear, even if we're we weren't even if we didn't get up this morning in it, mm-hmm. we might be in it by the time we go to bed just because we've been swimming around in it all day. Right. So it's um, it's I think sometimes it's useful just to define it. Like, what is it that we're what is it that we're dealing with here? Yeah, yeah that that's really good. That You're saying that makes me think back to. Uh, a time when I was quite depressed and I did need to seek some support and intervention clinically for mm. that. Mm. Um, fear was definitely a, a component of that as well. And I don't know that I ever really got awareness of that. I didn't uh, meet you until some time afterwards um, through our coaching training. Yep. So I'm pretty sure if I would have been friends with you at the time, mm. you would have been able to put your finger right <laughs> on the pulse for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, it also makes me think of... Um, fear is contagious, can be contagious. It can be, yes. Viral, highly (laughs) viral. So (laughs) it's a bit like if you're walking around outside and you see people looking up at the sky, you look at the sky because you're, well, what are they looking at, right? There's something going on. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's it's about that unconscious, we don't stop to think, oh, someone, that person's afraid and this is why they're behaving this way and do I want to engage with that? We tend to see behaviors or actions and it's like this, there's an urgency to it. And I, I, that's probably into our DNA, actually. That's probably a thing that helped us survive down through- Well, it's fight, you know, flight, or fear, right? That, yeah. or, or freeze, fight, flight, or fear freeze right (laughs) that's the the reaction to fear yeah and and we have it it's it's um, part of it is learned but but, part of it is in there fight flight fright maybe that's what we need to make (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah I I remember when I was in school that we did this play uh called chicken little and that's a I mean it's very well known here and, and probably well known in Europe as well but maybe not in other parts of the world but it's this the chicken little running around saying the sky is falling the sky is falling and convincing everybody else that the sky is falling but actually it it's I mean it's not the skull the sky can't but but it, but if somebody says it with enough authority and enough um fluster and and fear we can we can end up believing it yeah, it's very true. And we it, it takes energy to uh, to withhold an agreement and to yes. choose your own yeah. thoughts and space around that. Right? Yeah. 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 And we should also point out here that there are times when fear is appropriate. When you need a truck bearing down on you when you're standing in the middle right. of the road, it's a good idea to run. And that's, um, that's where I'm also saying that sometimes when the, the viral nature of it is I think something that's helped us to stay alive. We don't always need to yes. know the source. Yep. If someone near us is giving us the ah, ah, energy, then <laughs> we usually yep. respond to it and then think afterwards because we yep. don't want to take the, the chance that it's because- Yeah, if somebody tells you the building's down. on fire, you get out of the building, yeah. then yeah. you can reassess, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 
You know, another thought just occurred to me. I I know there's been several times over the last uh, many, many months, many of the months in which COVID has been, you know, altering our way of living in the world, that I've seen people attribute to fear in other people actions that may not be based in fear. Yeah. And that's an interesting phenomenon as well. I can remember uh, seeing a, a post from a, an acquaintance saying, you know, can someone please tell me why, why would a person be wearing a mask in a car when you're alone in the car or when you're outside walking? Like what in the world? And why are you so afraid? And the responses in the comments, some people were like, oh yes, you know, people are just fearful um, mice or sheep or whatever and they're just following all these things and then there were a whole bunch of other comments one of whom was mine which is well here's the reason why and it was whoops it was a practical reason such as i'm on my way to pick up an immunocompromised person uh they're gonna have to be in the car with me the mask is on so that they don't have to breathe my full air i also have the windows open um, when I'm in between places and I'm walking outside, sometimes my hands are full. Some, you know, it's wintertime. It actually just keeps my face warm. And so there's not really a fear-based um, motivation for it, but there's a practical or, or a uh, this X, X plus Y equals Z sort of reasoning that's going into it. And so this brings up the interesting perspective on might we attribute to fear actions from other people that may or may not be how do and is that even in our zone should that be something we are we're we're sussing out whether they're afraid i don't know maybe what we need to be doing is just assessing is this what i want to be doing and where is it coming from for me well and what's our default place each one of us individually what's our default place when we're scared yeah right and my default place is to look at myself and say, okay, how might I be contributing to this in myself? Like, so, so I start at home, even when I don't need to, right? That's, I immediately go into what am I doing wrong? Right. So that's my default. And I know that. So I can watch for that if I'm going in, into myself and I'm not finding my solution that way then I, I know enough about myself now to say, mm, all right, so maybe it's not inside. Maybe I have to look outside for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody has it. Like I, I know people whose default position is fight. So they're, they're, I mean, some people fight themselves, but some people fight outside and then you get, you get blaming, right? It's, a, it's their fault. And I'm going to fight the, the, the thing, the institution, the condition, the person, whatever it is that's outside, I'm going to war. Right. Um, and it, so that bring, may bring out aggression, but that's their default place. Right. Yeah. So the more self-aware we can be about what our default is, um, some people just freeze, right? They can't, they can't think straight anymore. That's mm-hmm. what fear does to them. So they've got to remove themselves from the situation somehow so that their thinking comes back online. Right. Yeah. And that's something that they have to watch for. Right. So we're all, we're all different and we all have our cracks and crevices. Cause I think one of the things that's coming out because of the pandemic is that wherever we have cracks in our 
foundations in terms of our self-determination and our confidence. Um, that's, that's the piece that we're having to look at because it's like when you've got, when you have an earthquake going on, wherever the house has, has cracks in its foundation, that's where it's all going to start vibrating apart. Right. Right. So that's going to be different for each one of us. And, and I think it's, so we can say, oh my God, this is terrible that this is happening. Or we can say, well, it's happening anyway. So what can I learn from this? Right. Where, where do I need to shore myself up? Where, um, where can I choose to look at things differently? Where can I get some support? Where can I learn some skills? All, all of those kinds of pieces. But it starts with self-awareness. Right. Which is kind of what we're talking about today, right? What is what, what self-awareness are we gaining that we can share with all of you as listeners about this? And maybe it will trigger for, for all of you listening Um things to look at in your own life in terms of um, what, how, how do you feel most shaken um, when, it, when all around you is in disarray and it's, you know, our world is in disarray right now. Disarray. That is an absolutely accurate statement. I don't think anybody can, uh, can okay. argue that. Luca, where okay. would you say, where, where does the fear creep in for you these days? Where would you say you see it showing up? Um, I, I would say um, uncertainty, economic uncertainty, because uh, as a sole proprietor, I'm reliant on customers coming to me, clients coming to me to buy my services. Mm-hmm. And so if they get scared, economically scared in their own lives, then one of the things that they do is, you know, I'm not an essential like food and shelter. And so they may choose not to come to me. Now, it doesn't matter whether that's actually happening or whether I'm afraid it could happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, I would say that that's um, pretty universal for people who are sole proprietors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we've talked about that even on shows in the past where we've talked about um, the financial trauma that can exist for people who are entrepreneurial, so sole proprietors, where, where uh, yeah. you know, the rise and falls of money can be so drastic and dire, and there's no, there's no safety nets. Uh, it, one of the things that I found fa- fascinating about how things have gone down in the pandemic is that it feels like we're all in the same boat now. There's so many yes. people who are suddenly experiencing what I have experienced very frequently over the mm-hmm. last couple of decades. And that doesn't mean it's easier for me. It's like, oh, no. I know what it no. is. And I know how to, I know it's how, in a way. Maybe well, it's not new for us, right? So we have a certain amount of built-in tolerance for this yeah, and a certain amount of autonomy around it because I chose it. I chose to live my life this way. Right. However... Um, I usually have down periods in the year, right? But not a whole year of down period, right? That's a whole, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Absolutely. And so I know in 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 my realm, I I will I'm in the same boat. Similarly, uh, economically fragile, you could say, which so many of us are these days. Um, COVID took away, you know, two primary sources of income, and it yeah. was. So it's like, okay, I'm used to adapting and being flexible. And so that's, that's, you know, happening as always. Yes. Very great. Yes. For the yeah. But it does affect that. how much sleep you get at night. 
Yeah, well, yeah. And uh, just that, that tension and pressure and all of those things. Yeah. I'm, I'm also feeling, uh, I'm finding fear. I, I definitely had it knock me off my socks this last week where the fear that's within the, you could say it's more of a social, socially collective unconscious level fear um, being felt by, you know, masses of people. And it's my, my, my reality of being a walking barometer as an empath has been exceedingly difficult, a burden to bear over the last long while. Um, but it really hit a peak last week um, when I was not even informed of all the situation that was going on south of the border. And yet my mm -hmm. body and my spirit were in tatters from, mm -hmm. from picking up what it was picking up. But knowing that it is not mine, uh, like, well, let's, let's put, let's turn the, let's go to the next question here then, which is the follow-up from the first one, which first one being, where where do we see fear coming from what what's the doors it's knocking on or the doors it's testing to see if it can mm -hmm. walk in and yep. and how do you know it's gotten in luca like what kinds of things show up for you that whether it be in your mind or in your body or any other way that yeah it hit for me it hits my body first i get it in the solar plexus which is which is the part of our our energetic system where we determine whether we're being invaded, mm. right? That's our, our boundary system sits in the solar plexus because that's our personal empowerment part of our, of our energetic system. So um, especially if I'm picking up stuff on a world level, um, a global level. And, and I think I, 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 I know that there's a, I have a certain tolerance for, um, dis-ease uh, because I don't live in the mainstream. So I live with dis-ease because n nothing is really designed for me. <laughs> you know, none of the systems in our society are really designed for me. So I, so I live with that all the time. And I, so I have a certain amount of buffer that's built in for being able to deal with things that aren't really comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. But with the pandemic, my, my buffer has been eaten up. So it doesn't take very much to tip us over the top because we've reached our limit. We don't, we don't have that capacity to say, well, you know, the water can rise by two feet and I'm still okay. And I know I'm still okay. But now we, it can, all it has to do is go up two millimeters and we're not okay anymore. Right. Right. So we, so we react to it faster. And, and um, one of the things that, I, so we talk about something like world events, like what's going on in the U.S. right now, which is affecting the whole world because the, the U.S. economy, which is, is going to be impacted by this and has been impacted already by the pandemic, it is affected, it, it, is the, it, it affects the whole world. Mm -hmm. But then the other thing that, that I noticed the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine who's also an empath, but she's very energetically sensitive um, to what's um, physically going on on the planet. And she picks up um, seismic activity ahead of when it happens, like animals do. So there's been a whole raft of um, earthquakes in the ocean off the coast of Alaska. Mm. 
that she's been picking up. So it it can be a volcano and it can also be earthquakes. Um, And some people are really sensitive to um, wind, like, like the Santa Ana's and the, uh, we have them in, in, um, in Calgary, the Chinooks, right? That they know that when those are coming ahead of when they come. And we know that animals pick things up ahead of, of when humans often will, will get them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, uh, before an earthquake, animals will start running. They'll start going to higher ground. So, so we know that this is part of uh, the, the, um, early warning the, system, the early warning systems of life on the planet. I right. mean, we, we don't know about plants because they don't talk to us. Well, they don't talk to everyone. Let's put it that way. Most people don't know how to interpret what a plant is saying. But, but we are beginning to pay attention to what, you know, the b- bird life and animal life and insect life and what they're doing. Um, we now know that, that dogs um, can pick up uh, if they're, especially if they're trained to do this, they know when a human being is about to have an epileptic seizure and they, or a heart attack, or if they, they can, they can tell by smell if, if a patient has cancer. Mm -hmm. So we know that we have a greater capacity to pick up these things than we have necessarily been told we have. In fact, in many cases, we're told we don't have that capacity. So I think for me, I'm beginning to notice all of those things even more. Mm -hmm. I was already noticing them because that's my, it's my business to notice them, but, Mm -hmm. but now I'm noticing them even more. And, um, and I think when I notice them more, it's easier for me to say to somebody else who's uh, circling the drain of fear. Well, when did that start? Right. I saw you last week. You weren't like that. So, so what, what precipitated it? And sometimes it's not ours, mm-hmm. like not mine in the sense that uh, it's not an event in my life that, co- that caused me to feel that fear. I'm picking the fear up mm-hmm. from someone else. I, I find something that's helpful to describe that to people who may, that may be a foreign concept for, uh, or yeah. to feel, it may sound too woo woo. It may sound like, ah, how does that even work? But if, if you've ever been, you've walked into a room and you could feel the tension in the room. You knew people had been arguing right before you got there. You just knew you could feel it. It's that kind of thing. This is the thing that you're, 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 something in your sensors is picking it up or if you're around. And some of it's physical. I mean, you can look at body language and the people have all got their arms folded and they're not looking at one another and their, and their faces are in a front, but, but some of it isn't, you could go in there blindfolded and still know. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you'll, you will feel things in within your body. I know that when I was partnered with somebody who had quite severe generalized anxiety, um, I would feel the shortness of breath, the tightness in my chest, the um, uh, jumpiness of my thoughts. That was what he was feeling. And it wasn't until I moved away and was not in the same physical space as that person that I discovered I did not actually have any of that myself. That was yeah. something that it was like a soup I was sitting in. And was- but we're pack and herd animals, right? Mm. And that's how the pack and the herd shift to deal with danger. Mm. They pick it up from one another. Um, and so, that I mean, these are not necessarily things that are bad, but um, it's, we, we, have, we have more efficacy in the world when, when we can discern 
when yeah. we can say, hmm, you know, is that something I can actually do something about? Do I just need to remove myself? Is there somebody around me who needs support? Right? So, so what am I going to do with it? And I can't decide what to do with it until I know what it is and where it's coming from. Right. Sometimes I don't need to know where it's coming from as so long as I know it's not mine. Yes. Yeah. As, yeah. You know, um, yeah. Luca, Luca helped me very much this past week when I was feeling like I was in front of a fire hydrant that had been opened up and <laughs> it took a little bit of uh, prompting to help me realize that I could step out of it. <laughs> It wasn't a required state of being. Yeah. I wasn't required to receive it. Um, that mm-hmm. I could step to the side and and allow allow it to be a source of information rather than being a barrage that I was slave to receive. And that's something I'm still working out how to manage on a daily basis because it's freaking miserable to be in that stream. It's um, especially when there's fear all laced through it. It, but uh, you you described it as feeling overrun, yeah. Um, and it and that reminded me of a of a story by a a Canadian storyteller, children's storyteller. His name is Robert Munch, and he he tells his stories by sitting in groups of children and and getting them to give him a topic, and then he builds a story around it. And they're fairly short stories, and then he has them illustrated and um, and then published. And these stories weren't around when I was a child, but but they were around when I started reading stories to the children in my life. And the one that that uh, being overrun reminds me of is one that's called Jonathan Cleans Up. Mm. And Jonathan is is at home um, after school, and and his his mother works, and. Uh, he that the house when he comes home from school is nice and clean and tidy and and then he's sitting in the living room and and these doors open up in the living room wall that and and inside through the doors is a subway and all these commuters all pile out of the subway and into his living room and they all it's like a subway station and they all go barreling through the station and they and they they take things out of the fridge and eat them and leave the fridge door open and they leave all their trash all over the floor and their you know umbrellas and newspapers and and all of them and the dirt and grime and then they all run out the front door and they're gone until the next time the door opens and so his mother comes home and looks at all this trash all around and says, Jonathan, I, you know, what, what's going on here? And he says, well, mom, the, you know, the, the, the wall opened up and all these people came out and, uh, you know, you can imagine a mother says, oh, yeah, right, sure. So eventually Jonathan goes to City Hall to see if he can do something about this. And in City Hall, behind this great big, huge facade of a computer, there's one guy sitting at a desk with a single lamp on the desk, looking completely overrun. And Jonathan describes what his problem is. And it turns out that this guy is in charge of all the subway and subway stops, all the subway trains in the city of Toronto. And so Jonathan puts in a request that that the station that is all of a sudden opening in the in his living room wall will not be there anymore. It won't be opening in his living room wall and that solves the problem. But I, I love this, the, the idea of the metaphor of this for being overrun by the trashy energy of other people. Yeah. And, and in this case, the public, right? 
that isn't ours. And, and how do you, you got to go to the source and find out why it's coming through your living room (laughs) and get it rerouted somewhere else. And I mean, we may not be in charge of how other people feel and, and um, what, how that, how that manifests around them in their lives, but we can certainly have it not come into our living room anymore by closing off the door, which is a, a form of, of um, setting, when I talk about my solar plexus, and that's where I feel it. Well, that's where you would shut it down and say, "No, this isn't. This isn't coming into me and my energy field anymore. It's not mine. I don't want it." That doesn't mean that the subway can't go somewhere else. That's fine if that energy goes somewhere else. Everybody's entitled to experience the world in their own way, but I don't want it in my body, i.e., my living room. So it's a, it's a, I thought that was a nice metaphor for it. And the, and the person who's sitting at hall, a city hall is the authority, right? It's the, so, so who, who's the authority that, that governs what comes into my energy field? That's me. And I may be sitting there feeling beleaguered, um, you know, with one lamp on my desk. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I ultimately, I am the one who has the authority to decide what comes into my body and what doesn't. Hot damn yes. Hot damn yes from all from a children's story. Yeah. Which I think the best children's stories are everybody's stories. Right. That are phrased in a way that children can get it. Exactly. Yeah. There's essential truths that are being. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's time for one of our songs. Perfect. Luca has been the song choicer today, chooser today. Which is very unusual. If you know me, that's very unusual. I love it, though. So um, Lucas picked uh, Fela Kuti's um, Fear Not for Man. We're going to take a look at this. We're going to get a little bit of some groove on. I feel like we'll help help us with some groove. Friday afternoon groove. (laughs) So we'll listen to Fear Not for Man. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Brothers and sisters, the father of Pan-Africanism, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, says to all black people all over the world, the secret of life is to have no fear. We all have to understand that.
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. That was Fela Kuti singing Fair Not for Man. We, uh, I've got the like 15 minute version here. So we've kind of, <laughs> we segued in and segued out. Where they, <laughs> it was, yeah, we clipped it a little. <laughs> a little bit here and there, but it was so good. I would like to take a minute um, today uh, in our program to acknowledge that we are broadcasting. We are living, we're working, we are being uh, on the playing. Unseated, yeah, on the unceded ancestral territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Coquitlam. And uh, as settlers, we seek to remind ourselves of that when we come and engage in a broadcast or a workshop or something where we are gathering with other people on the land. It's not just something to remember only when we're doing this, but we say it publicly because it's an anchoring exercise to remind us of our status, to remind us of the status of those who've been here for a long time, to remind us of that interplay between colonialists and uh, the people of the land. And um, that reconciliation is a work that is very much baby steps, babe, and in baby, the babyish of forms at the moment. And it needs to be on our radars uh, continually so that we can- I think of it as, as uh, respect. Yes. So respect for people, respect for the land itself. Um, respect for the communities that we form with the people of the land and the land itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships. And a, and a constant desire to do better as we know better. Yeah. Um, and knowing yeah. that we don't know it all yet. <laughs> we yeah. haven't figured it all out yet, but this is an ongoing walk um, in further deeper into towards reconciliation. So today we're talking about fear we're t- we just spent quite a bit of time talking through, you know, the doors that it comes through for Luca and I and how it shows up in our body and then sort of generalizing from that body and mind. Um, actually, I don't know that I said very much how it shows up in, in my body. I'll take a moment. Yeah, I was just going to think, I was yeah. just going to say, yeah. I'll, how is it for you? Um, I will often get, um, uh, I, I, I so what, what happened this last week, especially if it's like a larger sociological thing that's happening. So it happened when there was the Fort McMurray fires and it happened the other week when the Capitol was overrun and it's happened um, when there's been an earthquake in, uh, or a tsunami that was in another part of the world. I have a, you were talking about a friend who can perceive earthquakes that this has happened for me sometimes, not all the time, but there have been times when I, when I know um, when something is um, going to happen or it is happening in another part of the world, there's something that, that happens in my body. And so what it, it, it's like this unexplainable, well, it's, it's anxiety. It's, I do not, anxiety is not really an emotion that I experience. So when it comes to me, and especially if it's really loud, I don't know what to make of it because it's <laughs> not, I don't do that. I will, that's not to say that I don't worry or that I don't stress out. I have a, my barometer for that is if I'm awake at 4am and whatever the thoughts are that are preventing me from sleeping at 4am, that's a clue that that's something that needs my attention. And that's where my worry and, and um, stress tends to show up. And also just um, becoming very forgetful things dropping off the edges means I'm overwhelmed. But again, that's more overwhelmed. And so anxiety is not really a, a working state or a frequent visitor to me. So when when the symptoms of anxiety, a jitteriness, a jumpiness in my innards, okay. um, a, 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 sometimes like a bit of a vice, like in my head, I'm not also very prone to headaches. Thank, thank that's, this is a blessing. 
Um, and an inability to, I, I can't put it other than an inability to think straight. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm thoughts circle uh, and they're distressed and I don't know why I can't. You've described it as a fog before. Yeah. Well, brain fog is definitely a thing that will frequently happen. Um, but that's, that tends to be more, I think, related with my um, sleep apnea. <laughs> I mean, not, not taking good care of what's happening with that. But, um, but it can also show up for this where it's just, it's every, it's just a tightness. There's a tightness that shows up, but it's also a jittery tightness. It's like when you held on to something for too long and your muscles start to shake. Mm. And, and so then that will show up in varying degrees. And that's fear to me. That's what fear looks like. And it's so interesting because when I've been in numerous crises where fear would be a reasonable, rational response in that crisis. And other people around me are experiencing fear and demonstrating it in various different fashions. I tend to be the, um, you know, the, the, the one who suddenly gets super organized and starts coordinating the response in a crisis. That's usually me. And so to experience other than that, this weird jittery anxiety and, and, and jumpiness and can't think in a straight line. It's very distressing. And that's usually a big sign, but I don't tend to get it because I'm so disrupted by it. I don't often realize this is not normal. You should not be feeling this. And therefore it's probably not yours, Rebecca. So it often takes the conversation with Luca to remind me. I say, is that yours? Really? Is it yours? No, it really isn't. Good. Great. Yeah. So, um, what do we do next then? Yeah, I mean, you had some great ideas through the book. Um, mm. Robert Bunch's book gives us some ideas. You know, the idea of okay, going, going through and under. Um, how do you actually navigate when you feel yourself getting overrun with it, Luca? There's a there's a symbolic level to it of put it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. I I've talked about this before where I'm walking through a grocery store and I walk through other people's emotions and I think, Whoa, what was that one? And then, and I I have been known, I have been observed to walk around the grocery store going, put it down, Luca, put it down, it's not yours, put it down. So I, I mean, I talk to myself and I talk to whoever the, universal powers that be are I have been known to walk around looking at the sky saying things like that was not funny (laughs) I did not appreciate that Um, but but it's so self-talk is quite useful actually I mean we laugh about it but it is quite useful um, for for reassurance to say, you know, it's okay. It's all right. You can put that down. The world won't come to an end. <laughs> That's one of my go-to lines. The right. world will not come to an end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and so, so there's, there, those, are, those are like things that are easy to get your hands on, right? To, to a little self-talk. Um, the, just the idea of visualizing or feeling, if you're a kinesthetic person, feel yourself putting it down. 
um, I'm, I'm a little more visual. So I have the two baskets and the 10 tennis balls, right? So I do the, the, you know, only three of these tennis balls are mine. So they go in my basket. The other seven are not mine. And I wheel it up into the clouds and say, return to sender with love. That's one of my techniques. Right for returning any kind of energy that isn't mine. So fear is another one. We can put it, we can put it in there. Um, but I, I see fear as an early warning system. And, and so sometimes it's warning me of something that I didn't know of. Um, so it's like the, the, the yellow light flashes on your dashboard in your car, right? Um, you ignore it to your peril. So, so it's like looking at, at whatever it is that I'm picking up and saying, well, it isn't mine. Uh, but do I need to do anything with it? Like, is there, once I've put it down, now I can say, is there something that I uh, need to do with this information? Like, am I being made aware of it because somebody around me needs help? Um, so that's like when you hear somebody in the building next door screaming, fire, fire, fire. Well, then maybe, maybe you can do something to help them. Right. Uh, but it's that I can't do anything to help them till I recognize that it's not mine. Right. We're too busy trying to swat at flames on our own self that aren't there. When- that aren't there. Yeah. And beating ourselves up over it. Right. So, so that's a, that's an important one. Sometimes I think also to go to somebody who's close to you um, and, and who can maybe see you a little bit more clearly. So, you know, you can see things for me and I can see things for you that, or e- it's easier for me to see it outside myself than inside myself. Right. Yeah. So if I, you know, I, I say this to people who are close to me, you know, but send me a text message and, and tell me what you want me to ask you or what you want me to say to you. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just re- reminding you that not everything is yours. Yeah. That might be just that, just that question. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it mine? Right. Um, uh, does it serve me? Can I, can I see a solution? Because mm-hmm. often if we can't find a, a solution to it or we can't find a cause, it's probably not ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It might be coming out of a blind spot for us. It could be. But if it's coming up over and over again, then maybe it's a pattern. But, but you know, you, you're talking about things where it doesn't fit. It's not like the other things that right. normally go on in your life. That's mm-hmm. a sign. That yeah. maybe it's not mine, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you can immediately look and say, you know, they're sacking the, the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., like maybe that's to do with this. Right. Uh, there's an American election going on and, and everybody's very uncertain about what the results are going to be. Uh, okay. So that's big. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. I think we, under, yeah. and, the, and the existential fear of, of everything that's come to a head through the pandemic. This is a relentless presence and accompaniment yeah. to our life over the last year. It's been almost a year. This yeah. has an impact. It has an impact on our resilience. It does. An impact yeah. on our creativity, on yeah. our um, resourcefulness, you know. And our endurance, right? Yeah. We can endure things for a certain amount of time and then we run out. Then it, we've got to find a way to reframe it so that we've got more endurance again, right? That limbo state, right? I yeah. don't do well with limbo. If I'm told how long yeah. I need to hold something, yeah. I, can, yeah. I can manage almost anything if I know where the end is. But yes. this is open-ended because we haven't got it sorted yet. Yeah. yeah. 
I so think- what I say then is let's break it down into bite-sized pieces, right? right? And we can we can talk about that when when we come back. Yeah, let's let's do our next song, and then we'll come back and we'll um, share how to break it up in bite-sized pieces before we let you go for the day. So our second song for today is uh, Bob Dylan's "Masters of War." Let's go back to Bob Dylan's wisdom. Oh my gosh, I think he's got something to say to us right now. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm your masters of war. Here that build the big guns. Here that build the death planes. Here that build all the bombs. Here that hide behind the walls. Here that hide behind discs. I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks. You that never done nothing but build to destroy. You play with my world like it's your little toy. You put a gun in my hand and you hide from my eyes. Then you turn and run farther when the fast bullets fly Like Judas of old You lie and deceive A world war can be won You want me to believe But I see through your eyes And I see through your brain Like I see through the water that runs down my drain You fasten all the triggers For the others to fire And then you sit back and watch When the death count gets higher You hide in your mansion While the young people's blood Flows out of their bodies And is buried in the mud You've thrown the worst fear That can ever be hurled Fear to bring children into the world For threatening my baby Unborn and unnamed You ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins How much do I know But to talk out of turn You might say that I'm young You might say I'm unlearned But there's one thing I know I'm younger than you That even Jesus would never forgive what you do Let me ask you one question Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? 
Do you think that it could? I think you will find when your death takes its toll. All the money you made will never buy back your soul. And I hope that you die. And your death will come soon. I follow your casket by the pale afternoon. I watch while you lord down to your deathbed. And I stand over your grave till I'm sure that you're dead. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We're talking about fear today and about how it shows up in us. How does it get in? What can we do with it? And what's it all about? And uh, we just took a listen to Bob Dylan's Masters of War. And there was a specific line in that song that you really felt a kinship with, right? Yeah, it was about, um, if I remember correctly, it was about uh, this being a world that you don't want to bring children into. Right. And I think that that speaks to the whole idea of what happens when we feel hopeless. And I and I think that that really the 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 one of the ways that we can deal with that one is to uh, shift our focus off what's going wrong to what can we find that's going right like where's the resilience because i think that we're seeing incredible resilience i was i was talking to our um spoken word coordinator this afternoon um at the station and and we were we were talking about the creativity and resilience that's coming out of people at this time in order to deal with all of the changes that we've had to make in order to cope with the pandemic that it when when we start cataloging those things, it's astounding and and for me encouraging to be able to see how resourceful we all are and the degree to which people are going out of their way to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when we 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 see more of what we sort for. Um, so if I'm sorting for for um, fear, then, then I'm going to see all the fear. It's not that if I stop sorting for it, the fear goes away. I just am, I, I am affected by it somewhat differently because I'm, I'm not putting all my attention on it. Right. Um, so I, so I want to be able to be in a place of um, reviewing it. So we've been reviewing our, our show since, since last March. And so we, we um, started out by, by making the shift to um, interviewing uh, people, having conversations with people on Zoom. And then we found out that it was really difficult to book people and and have them actually show up for that. So then we moved into a model of, so we thought, okay, what else can we do? How else can we handle this? So we shifted into a model of having one show from our archives and then one show where we talk to each other. and so we figured we would do that until the fall. And then, so we did that and then we had to review, right? Then we decided we'd do it until the end of December. We did that and we decided we'd review. So now we're looking at having more conversations like this one today with one another um, in the hopes that this is useful and helpful for all the people 
in in our audience, but we're keeping our eye on what can we do that's right. positive. Yeah. How can we be helpful through all of this? But if we talk about bite-sized pieces, we've been biting like it's 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 chunks. Mm-hmm. So I would say to all of you listening out there today, how can you break it down into manageable chunks, even if it's we do it for this long and then we review? Absolutely. Yeah. And we've just about used up our time today, but I love that. Thank you, Luca. <laughs> the quick overview and the empowering. What do we do with this? Well, we'll be What back- do we do with this? Yeah. yeah. We'll be back soon with the next uh, iteration of and how do we navigate this? <laughs> <laughs> we need to change the name of our show. <laughs> yeah. And until next time, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halex, Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalex.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Oh, ah, Happy, 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 happy. Boing, 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 boing.